The day I get out of prison, my own brother picks me up in a police car. Hi there, and welcome to Baseball by Design. I am Paul Caputo, minor league baseball correspondent for sportslogos.net. I am broadcasting live, as always, from the Helmet Sunday Hall of Fame in my basement in Fort Collins, Colorado. We're going to talk today about the Joliet Slammers, which is just an awesome brand in the Frontier League. And I'm speaking with Bill Waluski, who is the uh, assistant general manager with the Windy City Thunderbolts right now, but was the president of the Slammers back in, in 2011 when this team name debuted and worked closely on the nickname. So, Bill, thanks for being here. Well, thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. This, this is a, a unique nickname for a unique town, certainly, in, in the minor league baseball landscape. You are a, like I said, you're a, a veteran of the Frontier League, which has a lot of great brands and, and nicknames. And, and someday, perhaps, we'll talk about the Thunderbolts as well. But today, we're, we're talking about the Slammers. I'll just, I'll just ask you to jump right into it. Could you, could you tell me sort of what the thinking was in developing this nickname for the Slammers to focus on the, the sort of prison industry that exists in the town there? So, you know, Joliet is uh, is really rich in history. You know, I know there, there are some teams that there are some areas where you, you just it's a little more difficult uh, to grab onto something. But um, when we when we went into Joliet and to give you a little background here, um, the uh, there was a team, the Joliet Jackhammers, who were in uh, Joliet for 10 years. They were part of the old Northern League and um, they had a, they had a five year honeymoon and they were doing great. And, um, you know, things went south and uh, and they ended up going BK and and having to uh, shut it down. So we were coming in on a um, in a in in a damaged market, I guess you could say, because there are a lot of unpaid bills and things that that typically occur when um, when teams teams rarely leave. Well, I guess is the best point of way to put it. Um, And um, so at any rate, we, we as much in the jackhammers, as you may recall, have had a great brand. Um, it was very well known in the area. Uh, their, the mascot was well known. I mean, it was a great brand, but it, it, we felt it was damaged and we needed to change. So um, as far as how the slammers came about, you know, we did the, the proverbial name the team contest, um, which, you know, in my mind always is more of a suggestion box than it is anything else. Sure. Um, and um, you, you certainly wouldn't wouldn't want to just go on on a you know, just the fan suggestion, if it doesn't work for marketing and everything else, there's a lot that goes into picking the, the team name. Um, the Joliet had been kind of uh, resistant to acknowledging their prison history for a long time. And um, we, I, as a joke, I brought up Joliet Jailbirds in, a, in an initial meeting. They had asked if there was a, there was a name that we had. And I just threw it out kind of as a trial balloon to the city fathers and um and uh, the, the, the one of them said, hey, it, it, it's I don't know if that's the name, but we're not we're not adverse to 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 we're, we're starting to embrace our, our prison history a little more. So that was like a green light uh, yeah. as far as as far as we were concerned. And um, but we so anyway, we did the, the name, the team thing. And then we had our own internal back and forth. And um when the name and the when you added up all the name the the suggestion box thing, um, Jailbirds was number one, and we hadn't even publicly uh, put it out there. Huh. Um, and number two was Joliet Jakes. 
Oh. And, <laughs> and um, so yeah, there are a lot of really clever things you could do. There's a, there's a tradition of uh, quarry in, um, in Joliet. Many of the old buildings are made with the same kind of stone and the same color as the prison is. So quarry men was another one. Uh, stone cutters. Stoners, believe it or not, somebody oh, yeah. threw that in there. You know, of course. I believe it. Yeah, and um, somebody wasted their time with that, right? So, um, <laughs> at any rate, um, you know, the more we looked at it, um, it was the perfect double entendre because the slammers was a baseball term, and it was also uh, what you referred to going to jail. You're going to the slammer. Um, so it 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 it. it once we worked through it, then it was pretty clear to us what that that was that was the appropriate name. Sure. Well, and so as an outsider to to Joliet, right? I mean, I you know, I know that Joliet has a place in the whole cultural lexicon, right? I mean, you know, you mentioned Joliet Jake, right? So like it was the scene of the Blues Brothers. There's been other TV shows and and movies that are set there. I know that there were like some reality TV shows. I guess the big TV show that was there was Prison Break. And, you know, it's been in songs, right? Like it's, you know, Joliet Bound by Memphis Minnie in 1932, mm-hmm. Bob yeah. Dylan's Percy song in 85. So so there's a ton of sort of cultural references to Joliet as a as an outsider. It sounds like from what you're saying, though, like that sort of outside perception of Joliet as being a prison town was something that the the town itself had not yet adopted. So how do you reconcile those two things? Yeah, it, it was it, it was just coming into the, the, the prison is abandoned. OK. Yeah. And um, and it was owned by the state. Um, so it was I don't want to say it was a blight. It was kind of a, it's still a cool thing. But um, uh, they were they were in um, if I remember my uh, history properly, they were in the middle of getting um, control of that prison and, and working out something where they could use it as a tourist destination, as mm-hmm. as um, as an attraction. Roadside yeah. attraction, if you will. Sure, sure. The sure, other sure, one sure. we missed was Route 66. Um, but uh, and so anyway, um, but the um, so you know, like I said, when I threw that trial balloon out, and they said, "Yeah, we're yeah, yeah it's, it's okay. We're kind of embracing our prison history now." That you know, that seemed to be the the it, 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 little edgy, and 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 the potential for fun with with the with the prison theme was. Um, I, I I think it just it it became real clear to us that 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 was the, the right name. So the, the prison obviously is still standing. It was opened in 1858, uh, you know, and there is this sort of fascination that people have with, with visiting, uh, you know, prisons, right? I mean, obviously Alcatraz is an yeah. example of that and it's a tourist destination. Now I understand that you could go and take a tour of, Correct. of yeah. the prison. Did you take that tour? I have not, believe it or not. I think that opened up, I want to say maybe 2017, 2018. Okay, so um, it, was, it was a while between when the prison closed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we 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 actually we wanted to film some commercials there, and we couldn't even get access to it. Oh, is that right? Um, even you know, even going through the city, and and that was uh, I, I think it's different now, but um, you know, it was it was unsafe, and you know, there's all kinds of liability issues. So, but sure. it's still standing. It's awesome. You see it in the first scene of the Blues Brothers. Jake's coming out of the of the prison and Elwood's there to pick him up. So, right. Um, yeah, it was it 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 was it it, it was it was a, a real good um, source of of promotions and fun and and double entendres. You know, we went and we named uh, one of the, one of our marketing people decided we we're going to name the pro shop the clink, the clink, um, <laughs> which which 
which the owners, the current owners, they, you know, they've kept that. And um, so yeah, there's just, there's just all kinds of fun to be had with it, but you know, you know, it wasn't always, it wasn't popular with everybody. Okay. That's interesting. Uh, Can you talk about that? I mean, I, every minor league rebrand has pushback, but can you talk about the specific pushback here? Sure. And, you know, and, and I think, you know, if I had any bit of advice for somebody, you know, who's going through a rebrand or a rename or, or whatever, um, you know, you always remember the, the, the one bad uh, comment that you get versus the 10 good ones. Right. Right. Um, so you, you, you're not going to please everybody. You're going to have to have thick skin. Sometimes it's easier said than done. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and um, we, we, I, one, I specifically remember uh, was a, a, a we, we announced the name before we announced the, before we unveiled the logo, we had a big wing ding uh, in downtown Joliet um, for the, when we unveiled the logo, but there was a guy who wrote in uh, that um, it, it, it said it takes, it took two months for these geniuses to come up with this. <laughs> and, and, you know, this, this, this is, this is terrible. You know, if this is the way this franchise is going to go, we're in big trouble, mm-hmm. you know, and it's on Facebook, right. It's for of everybody course. to see. Um, you know, you used to have to sit down and write a letter with a pen and go through some effort to put it in an envelope, put a stamp on it and mail it. Right. It's real easy now. Yeah, huh? absolutely. Absolutely. And everybody's, a, a, you know, an unlicensed critic. <laughs> um, but um, so, you know, there there was a little bit of pushback there. The most interesting one, Paul, was I got a letter from uh, if if um, if anybody's familiar with Joliet in right center field and then right field beyond the, the, the fence is a high school. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what year the high school was built. It was built a long time ago. Uh, it's a beautiful, big old building. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the administrators from the high school sent me a rather lengthy email and it started out. Uh, this was after we announced the name and put the logo out there. It started out shame on you. Oh gosh. So I, I knew I was, I knew I was, this is going to be interesting. <laughs> Settle into the comfy chair for this one. R- right. And um, he made a very passionate and um, uh, argument or uh, debate about the name and the fact that, you know, the school does as, as good a job as they can of, of trying to keep kids out of trouble and promoting positive things. And here the, the ball club, the professional baseball team in their backyard is glorifying a prison. And um, it was very uh, firm uh, letter, but it was uh, it was very well written. I knew his heart was in the right place. So I took my time in getting back to him. Mm-hmm. And basically, I, I asked him um, to give us a year. And I said, I think when 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 a year goes by, you will see that we treated the prison. We're going to have some fun with it, but we're going to treat it in a really um, in a responsible manner. And I think, you know, in a year's time, you, you'll, you won't have a problem with it. I never got a response. Okay. A year later, I'm on the concourse. So we're now we're in 2012, a full year later. And a gentleman comes up, introduces himself to me and said, I don't know if you remember me. And he explained who he was. And I said, no, I remember very well. And he said, I owe you an apology. Hmm. He said that it was um, you, you were you were right. You guys did handle it responsibly and had some fun with it. And um, he said, I, I was out of line. And I, it was like, yeah, hey, you know, you work with kids and you, your whole life as kids. I get it. It was a hmm. valid concern. Um, but in, so it was, it's always a, a, a little bit of a tightrope, right. Uh, that you have to walk, but if, if you don't have, have thick skin and you're not, I think you alluded to it, you're not going to please everybody all the time. There's no sure. way, there's no way. Um, 
so you, you just have to roll with it and know that there's going to be 20% of the people as good as your, as your team name is, or you think it is 20% of the people will tell you, you you're dumb. Well, so this concern that this gentleman brought up and that you said that he, he gave you an opportunity to, to prove that you would treat it respectfully, you know, I mean, it does raise the question, right? I mean, to the walking the line between you using this sort of cultural icon of the prison in Joliet as a, a fun foundation for a, a nickname. And it is fun, right? Like JL bird is a, is a great, the bird character, yeah. right. Is a great character. The illustration that Dan Simon did of the, the, the prison itself with the barbed wire and everything and the, and the double on the double entendre of slammers. It's a fun brand. The flip side of that. I mean, you think about a prison that was open in 1858. I mean, surely there were, you know, people wrongfully imprisoned and there was probably some horrible stuff that happened there. So, so how did you guys as a franchise walk that line between this is something we're going to have fun with and acknowledging, you know, the, 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 the prison industry is, can, can be a dark place. So our internal discussions about that, Paul, were that um, we were never going to glorify prisoners or glorify prison as a cool place to be. Mm-hmm. For any period of time, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, uh, our our view was that it, it was a, it was an iconic building in an iconic town, and yeah. um, you know, and the other thing was, you know, there there are there are fourth generation Joliet people who whose you know great great grandfather was a a guard there or worked in the kitchen or what you know whatever it was. Mm-hmm. So we try to accentuate the positive of it. You, you make a really a really good point about. Um, jail bird and it's, it lends itself well here so we we have we have two mascots and one of them is spikes who is a dog like a deputy dog uh-huh. and the, the the backstory behind spikes was he was the old warden of the joliet prison and um he's retired and but he loves baseball and now he's out to you know be the face of our team uh-huh. and and we also wanted uh spikes to have a foil and, and the foil was a jailbird who has a prison striped uniform. And, um, and so he's the foil in the bits b- between innings and whatnot. And he's always causing trouble. But we made the determination early on, JL Bird will never see a school. JL Bird will never see, a, you know, a community event. Um, that's Spike's job. So Spike's will go out and represent the team in, in, those, in those events. You know, this gave us the ability to uh, to still have fun with the prison theme, have a mascot that was kind of, you know, part of it. And, but it was the troublemaker. And, 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 and jail, the other the other rule that we put in was jailbird never wins. Oh. So if they're doing a race or something, jailbird can't win. So um, at least those were the, our rules at the time, you know. Sure. So sure. Um, so that so that's I think the mascot is really just kind of a perfect example. Our use of the mascot is a perfect way of, of walking that 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 fine line. Yeah. And and being responsible uh, for it. And but I'll tell you what, JL Bird wasn't introduced. Uh, Spikes was there opening day. Uh, JL Bird got introduced in mid June, about a month into the season, and the next day we're on intentional talk on MLB network. I mean, it was, it was a big hit. Oh, um, what did, what they say on intentional talk about it? Uh, they were, they, they, it was a real quick blurb when they do kind of, you know, a minute where they going through some different things that happened over the last, and they were just like, 
Joliet's got a mascot that's a jailbird. <laughs> and they had a picture of his debut as he, he was he was walking out on the field. So yeah. they did they didn't really give an opinion one way or the another another, but Kevin Millar just kind of asked the question to Chris Rose, who didn't answer. So <laughs> oh, okay, okay. <laughs> it was, well, but it was cool, right? Yeah. It's I mean, it's interesting because you know, you you often see the villain basically as mascot. I mean, you you know, it's not unusual. I mean, there are teams called the bandits out there, right? right? I mean, they're so, so it's, I mean, it's interesting, I think because of, of how real the conversation is about the whole relationship between, you know, prisoners and, and, and guards and, and the, sure. And this was, as you point out, 10 years ago, 11 years ago. Right. And so mm-hmm. these, these conversations have certainly evolved over the last decade or so as well. So, so it's really, I mean, it's really very interesting to me. I, ever since I've become familiar with this this brand, my favorite cap is the is the one with the J and the J L Bird character on it, right? Like that's uh, that that's a terrific logo. I love the logo. But the 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 whole conversation around prisons and prisoners and 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 guards really is a, a fascinating conversation. And to walk that line and to acknowledge, I mean, to your credit, to acknowledge. The question that came in from someone who saw it and had a concern to say, okay, we're going to really focus on how do we walk this line? That's very much to your credit, I think. Yeah. And, and we, we knew that right off the bat, right? We didn't want to, we didn't want to go full on prison thing. Now, listen, we could have had a lot of fun with that too, right? But sure. it, that wasn't the responsible thing. And that that's not, you know, we're members of the community mm-hmm. and we want, we want this to be a great place for, for, you know, parents to take their kids and, and then those kids take their kids, you know, 20, 30 years from now. Sure. So, um, you know, it, it, it was, it was a real fine line and uh, I think we walked it pretty well. Sure. For sure. And then, you know, you're working with, with Dan Simon on this, you, you mentioned that uh, you sort of stumbled into working with Dan on this. So can you tell, talk about how you ended up having studio Simon create this logo for you? Yeah, so I didn't. I I came into Joliet. I, I was 23 and a half years in commercial real estate, and the, the opportunity came up uh, through a friend of mine who was buying the team, and and I, and I was looking, you know, soon to make a change, and uh, so I, you know, I didn't have any connections in the logo world certainly, um, or have any background in it, and um, I uh, was flipping through. Uh, uh, ballparkbiz.com, which I think is dormant now. Um, it's a website, and and. All of a sudden, uh, I come across an article about a Studio Simon, and I, I read the article, and Dan had quite a resume, and we were going to be in the market for a logo uh, a design here in the near future, so I uh, forwarded it to our owner. He said, well, yeah, this sounds interesting. Give the guy a call, and I had a 45-minute conversation with Dan, and we hit it off real well, and he was obviously very knowledgeable and extremely passionate about his, his craft. And um, uh, our owner gave him a call and he he saw it the same way. And the next thing you know, we 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 hired Dan and we were we were off to the races. But it was it was literally just so many things in life uh, that are good things that it it almost was fluky that I just happened to uh, bump into that article at that exact time. Sure. Well, I'm gonna, like I said, I'm going to be talking to Dan next here about this logo. And Dan said that he said Bill's the guy to talk to about this logo because you were there and you were involved in 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 crafting it. It's a, it's a really, it is in so much as a, a logo based on a prison can be fun. It really is a, a fun logo. And I remember when I wrote the, the article about it for sportslogos.net talking about the other things, you know, that, that Joliet had. And we talked a little bit at the beginning of the conversation, like 
Al Capone used to hang out in Rialto Square Theater. Uh, you mentioned Route 66. The first Dairy Queen was in, <laughs> was there. So, right. uh, you know, as a person who celebrates all things ice cream, I'm a huge fan of uh, of that fact. Right, that the, right. <laughs> the first Dairy Queen was there. And, um, and you know, Paul, we, you know, there, there and we certainly weren't going to go there, but we had re- uh, recommendations or suggestions. Um, there, there was a terrible tornado in 1990, I think it was. Uh, oh, yeah. August 28th that came went through Plainfield. And, you know, that area got the nickname Tornado Alley. So there were some people that said, hey, how about the tornadoes? You know, uh, I don't I don't like weather related uh, uh, identities very much in sports. Um, But but, you know, it was just it just that that was an an extremely devastating event to the community. And and so, you know, we we certainly stayed away from that. But yeah, yeah, a ton of stuff. I mean, Route 66, if there wasn't a 66ers at the time. Um, I, that's where I wanted to go with it personally oh, okay. was my final decision. You know, the owner obviously was going to make, make the decision, sure. but I, I loved everything along those lines. That would have been, if we could have gotten around the fact that somebody else had the, the nickname, um, I would have, I would have loved to play along those lines as well. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it's so interesting to have this conversation and it really is, I think, I mean, it brings up so many other interesting conversations. Like I said, I was. I was a tourist. I haven't been to the the old Joliet prison, but I was a tourist in Alcatraz. And I, I did yeah, that, me that too. thing because of this fascination with prisons. Right. And Abs- so, absolutely. And, and, yeah. and you go through it and it's not active now. Yeah. And, and your mind just takes you back to 1930 or right or, or wherever, you know, when, right. when, you know, what was this really like then? You know, it's, it's kind of cool. Yeah. I, I, I want to go back to the J the, the, the character. And in, in, as you said, that the, the J and the, and the bird, yeah. on it when 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 i um when we engaged dan uh we had a conversation he basically explained the process and he said i'm going to give you i think five or six logo studies sure and, and then we'll we'll look at them and we'll, we'll we'll go from there and um my my only uh, you know how do you direct a guy who's a who's brilliant at what he does especially an artist right um i the only the only thing i asked him was i said if you would give us a character yeah. Um, I, I'd like to see a character. And he came up with that bird. And uh, it, it's funny, the evolution of logos. And you guys know this better than I do. But it seems to me sometimes your primary logo ends up being your secondary logo. Yeah. And and I think that's what has happened here. Um, you know, the, the the current ownership of the of the slam, they've done a great job in in maintaining that brand and and keeping the fun in it. And, and walking that line. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it's apparent that that J with the bird is, has really, and it happened in our time too. Uh, you know, that seemed to be the logo that we used on most things, whether it was merchandise or um, press releases and, and everything else. And um, it's, it's, it, it's, it's kind of fascinating how, how that, how that kind of goes 180. Yeah, well, and I'm I'm looking forward to talking to Dan about that that character because I remember when I wrote the article that the the thing that was important to him and this gets to the conversation that we've been having was that, that to create a character who was essentially, you know, going to represent the prisoners in this situation. Mm-hmm. It was very important to him that that character not be a human being, you know, and mm-hmm. so that the yeah, idea yeah. Of, I'm looking forward to talking to Dan about that uh, here coming up, but it's a really, it's a fascinating conversation. It's a great brand. I really like this brand. And, and uh, obviously that's one of the reasons I wanted to, to talk to you about it. 
And I, I'll just ask you, is there anything else about this story that I haven't asked you? I don't want to miss anything. Uh, is there anything about the story that, that you think is important for uh, listeners of this podcast? Well, yeah, we were under the gun. We, we had we had four months to put a seat to rename the team, rebrand and uh, and, and, and and put it all together. Mm-hmm. And I w- I, we were getting a lot of pressure to, to get the logo out. Sure. From from the city to, uh, you know, our owner wanted, you know, you, you don't have much to sell until you have that identity. Right. It, it kind of confirms that, hey, these guys are real. They're happening. For sure. So for sure. we had announced the name. And then we did our logo unveiling, I think, on March 18th at the Rialto Square yep. Theater in downtown uh-huh. Joliet. We put on quite a show. It was awesome. Al Capone's and, old um, stomping grounds. Yeah. And we <laughs> had, we had uh, you know, we unveiled the uniforms, the whole nine yards. But don't rush it. Um, right. and, and I was, I was, uh, everybody wanted it out. Everybody wanted it out. And, you know, I kept saying, guys, we got to live with this for 20 years or more. You know, you don't rush it and you don't rush art and you don't rush an artist. Right. And fortunately, um, my, my wife, as Dan knows, is a graphic designer. So I'm really aware of the artistic process, probably yeah. more than I, I care to be. Um, but, um, I, you know, that that was a challenge to me was kind of say, guys, you know, this isn't something we want to rush. Yeah. You know, let 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 him do his thing. And then and, and, and we'll go from there because you get one shot at it, Paul, as you know. You, you you really do. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's painful to, to have to, to go, wow, we really screwed up. We, we missed either the name or, or the logo just doesn't resonate with people. Dan created the logo for my podcast, which was just such a fascinating experience for me. <laughs> and, but I remember having a couple conversations with him. You know, we talked for 45 minutes to an hour and he would just ask me questions about things. And I remember just being like, I just, I so bad want to see something. Right. But I, you know, I knew like not to press it, not to press it. And, uh, and then what he came up with was brilliant, of course, because he's dancing. Well, and, and, and here we have now, I'm a, I'm a novice, right? Here you are a graphic designer. You're having a conversation on a completely different level. I'm sure than, than I, than I was having with Dan, but one really good story, I think in terms of, of my working with Dan. So we're on the phone one day and, um, he, start, he, he references something that he's working on, and um, he, he, he used his, his reference, the Baltimore Orioles in the early 60s. I can't remember what it is. He might remember. Uh-huh. I happened to, at my desk, on my credenza, had a book of the history of baseball uniforms. So as he's telling me that the Orioles made these subtle changes in the early 60s, and I'm, I just, without him knowing, I pick up the book and I open up the Baltimore Orioles and I'm looking and, and I mean, he nailed it right to the T exactly <laughs> these subtle changes that they made in their uniforms. Yeah. And I was like, man, th- 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 this guy is unbelievable. <laughs> that's, that's hilarious. He is, he is, he's a, you know, a, a joy to work with and obviously came up with a great brand for, for the slammers. Bill Walewski, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Where can people find you on, on social media? Uh, you can find me on Twitter. It's a good spot for me. Uh, at uh, B-W-A-L-U, B-W-A-L-U-10. Uh, that's my Twitter handle. And talk a little bit about the business from time to time or just some observations. A lot of Thunderbolt stuff when we're in season. So uh, that's a good place to find me. Fantastic. Well, we'll put that in the show notes. And I'm going to go find you on Twitter right now. And 
thank you so much for taking uh, time out of your morning. We took we took more time than I meant to this morning, but it's just a fascinating conversation. So I appreciate well, it. Well, it was all my pleasure, Paul. I appreciate you having me. All right. Thanks, Bill. All right, sir. All right. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I am thrilled, as always, to welcome back my friend Dan Simon, the incredibly talented designer who has created so many great minor league baseball logos, including this one for the Joliet Slammers. Dan, thank you for being here again. Uh, thank you for having me again. Oh, it's you know, it's always my pleasure. I love our conversations. So let's just jump right in here. The, the Joliet Slammers, this is a logo that you created more than a decade ago. The subject matter of of prisons in society and in popular culture is obviously sort of fraught and, and even more so now than probably, you know, a decade ago when you created this brand more than a decade ago when you created this brand. So I'll sort of start with that question, right? Like how did you approach in terms of creating a brand for a team with a logo, with an identity based on a famous prison, how did you approach that from a design perspective uh, in terms of highlighting the, the prison that's obviously important to this community without glorifying the industrial prison complex? Well, when, when they came to me with the idea of doing this Slammer's identity, they said right away, we've got to be careful here because we, we don't want to uh, celebrate lawlessness. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but the reality is that is what we're doing here or what we did there. Um, at first, they told me that they didn't want to feature a criminal. And I understood that. And they said, so let's let's make the uh, let's make the primary logo. Let's celebrate the the building itself. Now, I, now let's not say celebrate. They let's um, focus on the building itself. And so we can, we can tell the story of, you know, at a prison, you don't just have criminals, you have guards and you have the warden and you have people on the law's side. So we, we want that to be the narrative. So, the, so that's, so, you know, in my head, the, the, the first thing I saw was a jailbird. Um, and I, that's what I would have done for the primary logo. And I did present, uh, of the four directions I presented in the first round, three of them were facility specific, the prison itself. And one was a jailbird because I just wanted them to see this could still be fun. And, and, you know, with a jailbird, we make it a, a, a character instead of a, a tough, brute, brutish looking thing. Um, we, we can have fun with it. And I, I don't I and you know what they that became the that character, the, the jailbird did become the, the home cap logo. Um, at first, it was not they didn't want to do it as a mascot again because they didn't want to focus on the jailed they wanted to focus on the jailers um and so the their first mascot was a hound dog i believe they still have it where because that's you know like when a, a, a 
prisoner escapes, what do they do? They go out, at least this is what they used to do it in, in movies and things like that. Right. They go out with the hound dogs to pick up their scent. Yeah. Um, and so that was their first mascot. But then I don't know if it was later that first season or maybe the, in their second season, they did introduce JL Bird, their their jailbird mascot. So um, I, I'd like to think that any qualms people had about this identity celebrating lawlessness, I, I think they were able to look at it and go, no, nah, we're not celebrating it, but we're, right. having, we're, having, we're just having fun with it. Yeah. Well, and in, and in today's sensibility, do you think there would be any questions about not celebrating lawlessness, but celebrating the prison itself? Like, you know, because is that that conversation has changed, I think, even in the last decade. Yeah, I certainly I things are looked at uh, a lot more closely now than ever. So, yeah, I, I have a feeling in 2022, nobody would do a, a prison themed identity. Hmm. That's interesting because it's not something I've ever thought about with it. You know, I've always seen this logo and just thought I just yeah, I love the character J.L. Bird, you know, and then the you know, the treatment of the prison itself. And I think it's because you know, those, those sort of deep level conversations, right. Those are, they're, they're difficult conversations and it's more fun. We're talking about a minor league baseball identity and it's more fun to think about Joliet Jake and the blues brothers and the, the sort of pop culture version of the Joliet prison that exists you. And, you know, before in our sort of pre-interview notes, you were talking about a sort of fascination you have with prison and prison movies and that sort of thing. So what do you think the the role of the prison is in the in the Joliet community where, you know, where it, it would be the thing that you would focus on for a, a minor league baseball team identity? Uh, it's part of Joliet's identity. Um, and I would imagine, you know, obviously I shouldn't say obviously, but it's no longer a working prison. It's but it's still there. The structure is still there. Um, and so back when it was a working prison, is that what you call a prison that's open? A I think so. Yeah. Prison? OK, yeah. Um, they um, a lot of people in the community worked there. Um, so just like in Kannapolis, where I, I did an identity that has some ties to the mill that used to be there. Um, most of the people in the city worked at the mill. Now, I wouldn't, I don't know if most of the people in Joliet worked at the prison, but I'm sure a lot of them did. So there's, you know, there's a, a, tie, a tie to the community there. Um, and uh, heck, you know, maybe prisoners got rehabilitated. So you maybe you know, maybe there is a positive aspect to where uh, you can view prisons as there is a positive aspect in that hopefully prisoners get rehabilitated. Um, yeah. You know, look at look at one of my favorite movies. But actually, frankly, it is my favorite movie, The Shawshank Redemption. Um, Red, the character played by, um, help me here. Um, Morgan Freeman. Thank you, Morgan Freeman. I'm sorry. Favorite movie. And I couldn't remember <laughs> remember his name. That's my bad. Um, uh, he, he, he gets, he gets, uh, spoiler alert, he gets released from the prison um, 
because he's rehabilitated. I, actually, there's the, his speech where he talks about him. I'm rehabilitated, and and he's, I says I don't know. I you know what, whatever he says, but yeah, you know, I don't know what that is. word means. Right here, well, thank you. Here, here's somebody. <laughs> I remember him saying, "I committed a, 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 a horrible crime." Yeah. Um, I don't know if they ever say what that was. I think it was murder. Um, I, was I think when he was very yeah, young, I mean, he murdered I, somebody. I believe he murdered someone, but he legitimately got rehabilitated. Now, hopefully, there are some positive aspects of uh, of the prison system. Well, for sure, that you know, it's certainly part of of Joliet's community, and like you say, that many of the community members probably worked there, and it has become. I mean, you know, like Alcatraz, right? It is. It's a tourist site now. It's a tourist destination. And it's been featured in all sorts of pop culture, right? I mean, most famously in the Blues Brothers, because that's where, you know, John Belushi was Juliet Jake. And he was getting you know, at the beginning of the movie. He was getting released from uh, from prison, picked up by his brother. And there was a movie, you know, not a good one, but it was called Let's Go to Prison and uh, <laughs> terrible, terrible movie. I think it's fair to say that as a society, Prisons are sort of a, a a big deal to us, so it's not surprising then that the Joliet Slammers would choose to focus on this this aspect of their identity, just for on your own sort of personal level, or you know, working with this team. Did that sort of cultural fascination that we have with prisons factor into this this team's identity and your process creating a brand? Um, it it certainly it's it's. It was something I definitely thought about during the development of the identity. Um, I, I I can't necessarily explain it, but we we do have this fascination with prisons, with uh, people who do illegal things. You know, think about uh, two of the the greatest movies of all time: The Godfather and Godfather Two. Um, prison movies like Shawshank Redemption. Uh, the Green Mile, um, escaped prison movies. Oh, brother, where art thou? Um, also, think about you know the Sopranos. That, how long that ran? We we were we're fascinated by these people, um, these places, the, the prisons, and the people in them. There's there's a, just a fact. Think about the. All of the, you know, you're doing a podcast here. There, there must be dozens of true crime pro- podcasts. Um, we're, we're fascinated with it. Um, and maybe the reason for that is it's fascinating. It is. Well, it is fascinating. And it's, you know, like I, the, the, the whole subject of the TV show, uh, Only Murders in the Building, right, is about a, a true, it's a TV show about a true crime podcast. You mentioned Oh, oh Brother, Where Art Thou, which is a great movie, one of my favorites. Uh, one of the things I was going to ask you about with J.L. Byrd, the character, is that there, you know, the, the prison opened in 1858. J.L. Byrd has a very definite sort of old timey feeling ab- about him, you know, in terms of, you know, the striped shirt and, you know, just the, the character himself doesn't doesn't feel like a sort of contemporary prisoner. Right. It feels like something from perhaps the, the prisoners uh, or, or from the prison's history. Uh, was that intentional? Oh, for for sure. Um I did not base that character on something specific that I found in my research, um, but I must have seen a cartoon as a kid with a character just like that. It, it, it's in my head 
that I've seen that that did not that was not a creation of my own somewhere in my past I've seen that um and to me that just that's what this character needed to be because it's what I immediately associated with prisons was this jailbird and I feel like I've seen it somewhere before so if there's some cartoonist out there or, or animator out there who created that and and I didn't copy it directly, but I want to thank that person because it went. There's there's this vision in my head. I know I, I had seen it somewhere as a little kid, and it stuck with me. Well, I, I wonder what what bubbled up from your subconscious there to uh, to to create JL Bird. I do want to ask you. I mean, we've talked about a lot of different things on uh, on this segment. We went a little. Uh, outside the normal parameters of our, our conversations, although not that our conversations have normal parameters, I guess. But I do want to ask you about the the color choices. This sort of green and orange is not something that you see all the time in, in minor league baseball logos. Uh, and then obviously the, the, the cream color as well. So the green, black, orange, and cream, I guess. Where did those color choices come from? I can say that I would have never chosen those colors for this identity. Green and green and orange, even though there's black in the identity as well, green and orange with the principal colors. Um, and that's not something I associate with um, with visually with with prisons. Mm-hmm. Um, but the owner of the team, I don't think he even went to the um, University of Miami. But it was his favorite college, and he wanted green and orange as the principal colors of the identity. So I had to work that in. The cream color, that is because of the, the stone that the building is made of is, is that color. Um, so that needed to be in. And then the black needed to be in. Just We had this bird character. It's a, like a minor bird. If that bird were any other color, it wouldn't work. So um, I, I, I may have even said this in one of my previous uh, talks with you. So if, if I'm being redundant, I apologize in advance to you and to your listeners. Um, but I have a, a very good friend, an illustrator named Paul Rogers. He's a, an incredibly talented illustrator. And one time we were talking about colors of something, and I think I might have apologized to him telling him, that he needed to incorporate these colors into something. And he, he just said, Dan, there are no bad colors. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. I think that was really something that um, what he said was evident with this identity. I didn't real when they told me I needed to use orange and, and green, my first thought was that's not going to work. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and you know what? It does work. And uh-huh. so as Paul Rogers said, there are no bad colors. <laughs> I like that. Dan, I happen to know from previous conversations that you have a kind of wild story. Uh, you have a sort of wild connection to an individual who ended up becoming a prisoner, uh, someone who connects sort of tangentially to your life. Do you mind sharing that story? I do have a personal connection to uh, actually an, an, an infamous um, uh, prisoner. Uh, when When I was a little boy, my from age zero to seven, I lived in the borough of Queens in Flushing Queens in New York City. And we, we, we lived in a row house that my parents owned. And um, 
there was a famous owner of our very house prior to my parents buying it. There was a famous trial in, in the early 50s. It was the Rosenberg trial where Julius and Ethel Rosenberg were convicted of um, spying for, for Russia um, you know, during the Cold War. They were, they were convicted and were sentenced to death. There was a third individual who was part of this espionage conspiracy, who was also found guilty. Fortunately for him, he was not um, he was not sentenced to death, but he did go to Alcatraz and was a prisoner there. His name was Morton Sobel, and Morton Sobel owned the house that I lived the first seven years of my life in. And I've got this picture in my head, like I had my own little bedroom. I was the younger of two children. So I got the small bedroom. My sister got the bigger one. Um, and just to think that Morton Sobel, this man convicted of espionage against the United States and who served time in Alcatraz was like in my bedroom, <laughs> where <laughs> my childhood bedroom. Um, one day I was watching you know, I, I talk about the, the fascination we have and I personally have with with um, with prisons. Um, I was watching a, a documentary on TV about Alcatraz and they had a live interview with Morton Sobel. I had never I'd seen pictures of him, but here he was. Um, I, I, I couldn't believe it. And I was watching him. By the way, he lived to he. He only died in 2018. He lived to be 101 years old. Holy so smokes. Apparently his prison uh, stay, you know, being, being Alcatraz, that's hard. That's that's doing some serious time right there. Um, apparently it didn't have a, a deleterious effect on, on his health because he lived <laughs> he lived a long life. So that's um, that's my connection to the prison system. So do you do you feel like like knowing that this person who essentially shared your room at a different time, you know, <laughs> did that have a, an effect on, on years and years later, creating this, this likable, but mischievous prisoner character for the Joliet slammers. Um, I don't know if it did at the time, but uh, now that we're talking about it, you know, when, when I talk about my fascination with the prison system, maybe that maybe that had something to do with it. You know, it's uh, but I do think it, it, fascination with the prison with prisons and and people who do bad things is not limited to me. But I don't know, maybe I don't know, maybe one of the reasons I like so many of those movies and like I said, the Shawshank Redemption being my my favorite movie of all time, maybe it does tie to that. So. This, you know, this this is not an uncomplicated identity, right? And the question uh, questions around prisons and prisoners, you know, sensibilities around those questions, I think, have changed in the last decade. Do you think that those are valid questions around this identity? And why do you think the you know the Joliet Slammers identity hasn't had those questions? And would this be a different process creating this logo now than it was ten years ago? I realize that's a lot of questions. Well, but uh, that's that's a very valid point to to bring up. But one of the things I think about is there was there were things that are clearly objectionable. Um, 
there was a an independent minor league team I don't know about 10 years ago and if I'm off by a few years it doesn't really matter but uh in an it was an independent minor league team called the London Rippers and their logo featured when it was unveiled it featured a character that was a dead ringer for Jack the Ripper um and there was there was an immediate negative backlash and, and outcry regarding that identity because they had as the visual, uh, not just visual, in name and in likeness, the focal point of their identity was a, a serial killer, a vicious serial killer who, who preyed on, on women. And that's certainly not something worthy of, of, of celebration. So I agreed with, with that, the backlash there. And, um, but in this case, uh, our JL bird character in this identity, you know, he could be Andy Dufresne. He could be somebody who was wrongly sent to prison. He could be somebody like Andy's friend red, um, who at one point did something horrible, but, for anybody who's seen the movie, uh, I don't think you look. You, I don't think he's a horrible person. So I, I'd like to think that's why this uh, this identity has not um, suffered the, the the same fate that similarly uh, similar similar identities that are viewed as objectionable. You know, the whole premise of my, you know, of of this podcast and the the stories I've been writing for sportslogos.net for all these years has been that you can tell the story of America by understanding why minor league baseball teams are, are called what they're called and, and having those conversations. So obviously, you know, we're talking about a minor league baseball nickname and logo here, but gosh, I mean, you could delve really far into questions of the industrial prison complex, mass incarceration, wrongful imprisonment, uh, the possibility of rehabilitation. And so, we don't have the time for that on, on this podcast, but it's really interesting that this this brand that you created and, and working with this team brings up all of these potentials for for conversations. And it's one of the really interesting things about minor league baseball to me because focusing on that local community and you know a site like the Joliet Prison that brings up all of these conversations. You know this prison that was opened in 1858 and and still is around today as a tourist site. So so Dan, thank you for all of your your thoughtful commentary on that and and you know as always all the work that you do and i know people can find you as always studiosimon.net and on instagram at studio underscore simon dan thank you as always i can't wait to talk to you again soon thank you paul see you next time all right everyone welcome back i've asked Stephen Wright, who is the curator uh, with the Joliet Area Historical Museum, which includes the old Joliet Prison Historical Site. So I wanted to just talk about the, the site itself and what it means to the community. And so, Stephen, thank you so much for being here. No, thank you for inviting me. Can you can you tell me about the, the site itself? You know, when, when someone visits Joliet, Illinois, and they, they go to the prison or they go to your museum, what is that experience like? What is, what is it that you hope that visitors to your sites uh, get out of that, that experience? Um, well, I hope that Joliet has long been known as the prison city. You know, it's 
whether that was a good or a bad term, you know, a lot of Joliet citizens kind of shied away from that. But um, I'd like to hope that people walk away knowing that it was more than just a prison. You know, this was a source of um, income for many community people for over a hundred years. You know, there was a lot of families that were solely supported off the income of men that were guards or, uh, and, uh, you know, each, whatever capacity they worked there. So, um, but I'd also like to think that people get a better sense of what prison like life was like before prison reform, what the conditions of um, inmates were that were incarcerated there, um, some of the health conditions. Uh, prior to 1950, there was not running water in either of the cell houses for the men. So they were still taking jugs of water and had more or less a chamber pod in their cells. So I also want people to realize, I, I do realize there is a um, certain aspect tied to popular culture, whether it glamorizes that or not, that there was more to the prison than these exciting scenes that were filmed here. Well, so that's an important point that you're making, right? Because the, the reason for this podcast is that there's, you know, the baseball team, the Joliet Slammers, you know, that, that identity of that baseball team accentuates the connection of Joliet to the prison. Sure. And I think there's a fascination with, with prisons. Right. And mm -hmm. when you, when you work at it in an, interpreting the prison experience, I'm sure you have guests show up who have, you use the word glamorized, right? I'm sure you have mm -hmm. guests show up who have sort of glamorized the prison experience. They've seen Alcatraz in movies. They've seen all the popular culture references to the Joliet prison. And you're describing a much more real experience, right? And you're the museum itself, I'm sure, has to walk this fine line between commemorating this place that is obviously important in American culture without glamorizing Im imprisonment, right? Like acknowledging all of the flaws that are that exist in 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 the system right now. And I'd be curious, how do you tell the story of a place where horrible things probably happened? To a public that has this, you know, per, this perception that's probably been affected by popular culture, songs, movies, you know, TV shows being recorded there. How do you tell that story in a way that actually brings it back to like, hey, incarceration is not a thing to be celebrated? Well, one, I like to say in order to make people aware of history, you have to have an uncomfortable conversation. You know, it's not always a conversation that people are expecting to have or want to have, but these are things that can't be glossed over or forgotten. You know, you, you have, you have to bring these uncomfortable um, events to the forefront mm -hmm. to make people understand. So it's not always an easy conversation to have, but one that needs to be had. Sure. Sure. Well, and so I'll ask you, what is, and you touched on this a little bit already, but I'll just sort of ask it in a more direct way. What's the significance of the prison to contemporary Joliet, Illinois? 
there's still mixed feelings about it. You know, there are people who, wh why are, why are we doing this? Why are we make, trying to make this a historic, or why did we make this a historical site? Why are we preserving what's there? You know, some people still have that attitude of, you know, oh, we don't want to be the prison city. But other people, uh, there's a growing interest in the history of this building or this, the, the grounds of it, because um, it, it has been deeply intertwined in so many people's lives in Joliet. And it's interesting for several reasons. It was, you know, the second prison built in the state. It was um, completely constructed of Joliet limestone and the same architect as the water tower in Chicago. So, you know, bringing those interesting facts showing that it's more than just a place where men were incarcerated and women for a period of time. But to bring that there, you know, that's drawing the interest of people and maybe changing the perception of what this site is. Does the museum deal with sort of like contemporary issues of like mass incarceration or? Well, when you say contemporary, it's interesting because some of the, the more I research, it seems to be mirroring the same issues that were happening, you know, 1900 to 1920, these incarceration, mass incarceration issues. Um, people were not well represented if you didn't have a lawyer or, you know, it's still a very interesting situation where it seems to be a hundred years ago, time has not changed or the situation has not changed that much. Yeah. Um, so we are using this as a backdrop to talk about the mass incarceration of the from 1858 until the prison closed in 2002. I mean, those situations are still mirroring each other. For sure. Yeah. I mean, questions of social justice have always been around and they've, I'm sure are, are tied directly to prisons, right? Like, you know, incarceration. Yeah. So absolutely. I'm sure you guys are dealing with heavy issues all day long and, you know, I, I think it's easy to to sort of feel like, oh yeah, Joliet Jake got out of Joliet prison and and yeah. you know, you know, associated with the Blues Brothers, um, right. as opposed to you know some of these very heavy issues that I know that you know they deal with at Alcatraz as well and and you know and I think do you would you say that uh, that the old Joliet prison is the second most famous prison in the United States? You know, it might be just because of the pop culture. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's funny, I, it's the uh, not funny, but um, the more I explore other prison sites that are doing this, like Eastern State or Missouri yeah. State, you know, they're all popular, have their own yeah. stories behind them. So, yeah, people seem to flock to them for varying reasons. I've never uh, been to the to, to Joliet. I've never been to a Joliet Slammers game and obviously never been to the prison. But interpreting these places is really a fascinating mirror on on our contemporary society right now. Mm -hmm. This is definitely the the heaviest conversation I've had uh, on this podcast where I talk about minor league baseball logos. But I'll ask you, uh, does the museum or the the old Joliet prison historical site, is there a relationship there with the team, either informal or, or formal with the Joliet Slammers? Um, I would maybe a little more informal. I mean, it's also been an odd time with COVID the last couple of years, you For know, sure. and I've stepped in this past year. So it's kind of, things are getting going again in the right direction. Um, they were out there for a, uh, 
they did some of their uh, publicity photo shoot out there not oh. too long uh, this past season, I think it was. But it, it's hopefully going back in the direction where everyone can start collaborating again and working to get people out there and see baseball and see the prison site. <laughs> right, right. Have you been to a Slammers game? I haven't actually. I'm going to my first one um, this spring. My uh, niece is uh, part of her dance recite or her dance troupe is doing some kind of um, opening show or something. So yeah. it'll, it'll kind of kill two birds with one stone. <laughs> awesome. Well, hopefully it doesn't kill Jay Elbert, who is there. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> You're right. <laughs> um, and I'll just ask you the one last question. Have you seen the the logos themselves for the Joliet Slammers? Do you have a, an opinion on the, the logos? Um, so there's the bird, which uh-huh. I think is more respectful. You know, I, I don't I, I, I like that there's not a person being used. Yeah, I think that would be crossing a line to have a person, you know, in a striped uniform or something. Right. As a logo. Right, right, right. Um, the other and the main one is that just shows the building itself, sort of looking up at the building yeah. with the with the guard tower. Yeah. So that um, that's uh, kind of more iconic. You know, the old Joliet prisons kind of built like a castle or a fortress, you know, so that's yeah. always, you know, you get people when people visit the site for the first time, you know, they look at our, our administration building and you see the towers and almost like kind of like the gothic feel of it. Sure. Well, Stephen, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time to to talk to me here. Where can people find the historical site and the museum online? You can find uh, the museum at jolietmuseum.org. Okay. And then you can find the old Joliet prison at jolietprison.org. Awesome. Well, they sound like fascinating sites. I hope to get to a Slammers baseball game and to visit the museum in the old prison when I get to Joliet sometime. And and Stephen, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me and reach out if you do make it here, okay? I certainly will. Thank you, Stephen. This podcast is part of the Curved Brim Media Network. Here are some of the other members of Curved Brim Media. Hi, this is Kelly Robinson, the Minor League Nerd. My YouTube channel explores the history of minor league baseball teams. More than just stats, we delve into team lineage, sharing stories from current franchises to obscure one-year wonders. This is Patrick. And Corey. Of BaseballMapper.com. And we have made an interactive map to help highlight all baseball teams from the majors down to collegiate summer leagues. We want to bring you closer to baseball, so get on the site and find a team near you today. Hey everyone, it's Eric from the great state of Kansas. This is Johnny from the New Orleans Baby Cakes Memorial Museum. And we are the Earn Fun Average Podcast. Where we talk to a variety of guests about their love of baseball and have fun doing it. America, lower your standards. Average is what we do best. What's up, Bucketheads? I'm Anna Tommaso, and each week on the Baseball Bucket List podcast, I speak with a different fan about their favorite baseball memories, what the game means to them, and what's left to check off on their baseball bucket list. Hey guys, this is Patrick Larson from the Minor League Baseball Hat History Series, and in every episode, I go through the history of minor league teams through my personal collection of hats. You can find me on Twitter at, at PatLarson1. I hope you guys enjoy.
Hi, this is Ed Rivera of the Data Chronicles. Join me as I interview people just like you and players, coaches, GMs on the path that led you to become a fan of the sport. Learn more about Curve Brand Media at curvebrandmedia.com.